the Dark Souls podcast. Today is just me and Mr. Quentin Smith. Hello, Matt. That Hello. sounded very sad, like it was just going to be you on a podcast for an hour. Da, da, da. Playing no, music. I have actually had that a few times where I've said, oh, people have dropped out. A few people have said, oh, just do one on your own. It's like, no. Can you imagine? I mean, I sure I could do it, but... I could do it, but I'd play music. Like I would, like I'd interrupt my monologues by playing. Like, oh, and this is the Shining Force Two soundtrack from yeah. my childhood. It would just be Mega Drive sounds from my childhood. Yeah. Because... That's it. It's basically just uh, like sensory deprivation. If you don't have other humans there, then you just regress. Yeah. God, I would listen to that. So let's move on. How are things, Matthew? I've been in Canada for two months. Yeah. I hear it's difficult. It is. It's difficult to buy an aubergine. Uh, you were commiserating about that. Uh, yeah, very difficult uh, to buy. Cheap sushi, though. Uh, and that's about it for Plentiful Canada. Plentiful rice. Uh, didn't see a moose. Uh, I bought some people maple syrup infused with bourbon. Mm. You were not one of those people. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. I can live. I won't worry about it then. That's fine. Uh, I'll hate you quietly afterwards. You could do that. Uh, or you can beat up Tim and take his... No, Tim deserves it. He's a good man. I've actually got some maple syrup in my in my cupboard going unloved. But anyway, probably enough about food. We actually capped off the last uh, podcast. You probably haven't heard it yet. Um, of us talking about the soup settings on my new microwave. So oh, Jesus we kind of Christ. veered into a different kind of podcast here. This is just... Uh, a permanent change. Uh, That's fine. Video games. Video games. Okay, right. I want to talk about, and I don't know if you talked about this yet, because again, I'm a little bit behind. Rainbow Six, sorry, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Six Siege. Match everything about you so six Siege. We haven't talked about this. Oh, right? that's good. But what we did talk about last week could have basically almost been the same thing. Oh, all right. Um, in a weird way, because we spent some time talking with Joe and Brat about about uh, Overwatch and about like talking about hear me out here Overwatch and the fact that basically like uh, Joe was like oh isn't it free to play no it's a paid for thing and we talked about Evolve and how much that had crashed um, and it's this weird I don't know thing. what Overwatch is remind me Overwatch is the Blizzard um, kind of MOBA shootery thing oh with yeah very... with the big monsters no. no 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 it's got a very diverse cast of characters like oh no I remember that it looks bizarre like, it does look like bizarre th- there's no way that's going to recoup the money they've well put the beta's been running for a little while people seem to be saying it's pretty good it's basically Team Fortress 2 um, but with no that's it it's very <laughs> um, was but, that a bit or did you genuinely reach for something and forget uh, you know I just thought it's not actually I was like combined with and I was like well no actually most of the elements it's got right. a girl who can vanish and reappear right sure. like like the, like uh, Jumper from popular uh, franchise Jumper it looks a little palumpa put it up your Jumper um, yeah it looks good, but it's the same thing with Six Siege and the fact that Six Siege sounded quite fun, looked quite cool, and then I saw how much it cost, and I just thought, it's just so dead. Oh, what, 50 It's pounds? like... Well, do you feel... I mean, this is not the conversation I want to have about Six Siege because it's comparatively boring, and I've got sexy things sure, to say. Sure, sure. But, like, would you feel better going into the marketplace as a free-to-play shooter, which makes me nervous, or a £50 shooter, which makes me nervous? I don't know. It's this weird thing of, like, I, I kind of looked at that game, and we it's it's the same sort of thing of Overwatch, and I thought, this looks like a fun game. But even more so, Rainbow Six, you think, this looks fun, but I want to play it with, like, three mates. And yeah. so it's not just me dropping money, it's then convincing... Like three other people, four other people, four other people, five five player team, four other people to drop fifty quid as well. I mean, I know there is actually quite a big um, like community around Rainbow Six games and people who still like love and play stuff like Rainbow Six Vegas and all that. So it may be that actually they're they're happy to just go for this niche audience they already have and service them really well. But anyway, tell me about the game. But it's it's just one of these things where I look at it and I go. I'm never going to play this game. I tell you what, you know, you know what, you would have a blast playing it if you had like the collective 250 pounds or dollars to have five players going to it because it is it is really good if I know you, and it's just such a shame because, if, if people yeah. don't know Rainbow Six is like a kind of pseudo-realistic Tom Clancy franchise which is like it's not really actually realistic it's not a sim or anything but it uses a lot of the trappings and gear to make you feel like you're a man who in this case goes into houses and kills all the terrorists it is really quite neat it's like um, Counter-Strike structure so like well, team of five players versus team of five players, except instead of a sprawling map, it's always one building. It's like the police have surrounded a mansion or like, you know, like a Beverly Hills manor or an embassy or like a shitty barn or like a concrete, you know, docks. 
And then there's five terrorists on the inside shitting themselves who can barricade it. And before the match begins, they have 60 seconds to like reinforce walls so that the the bad the good bad, bad slash good guys. I don't fucking know. Who uh, knows these days, man? Who knows? I, the plot is actually hilarious because <laughs> it's got terrorism, but it's so apolitical where it's like all the missions briefings are like, we don't know who these people are. Their motives are unclear. Anyway, good luck. It's just, and oh, the bad guys wear white face masks. That it's just, it's so barren of like any actual politics, aside from like the politics of guns are cool. But anyway, so five of you going in, and it's far more interesting though for the five terrorists on the inside because they can reinforce walls, so the good guys can't like blow through them. You're barricading doorways, and mostly, and this is the thing I, that I think I'm going to say that's going to get you excited. You're sitting there listening to the impeccable sound design and going, "Where are they?" Where are they? Then you hear a distant boom and you're like, oh, it's probably the roof. They're coming in from the roof. And then you hear like five sets of footsteps as five people all sprint. And you're like, yep, they're going down the stairs. Yep. Oh, oh, they're right outside. And then the wall next to you explodes and (laughs) they throw in a flashbang. It's really funny because, um, well, the the experience that I will tell you about as a terrorist, uh, there's two anecdotes I want to say that will summarize kind of why I'm having fun with it so it was my first ever online game as a terrorist guy and sure. I'm like okay so we all split up and we're all barricading doorways and I run into a corridor and I'm like this is a good door so I put up the the wooden sheeting like and then I'm like yeah this is great this is a great and I turn around to go back to rejoin my team and they've barricaded the door behind me oh no so I'm now a man in a corridor with a shotgun waiting for death you can like knock down the barricades that your friends have put down if you have to it's get through but a good idea is it's it it's not really in the spirit of the thing so that was funny and just just when you have these uh incredibly macho sort of like beautifully rendered equipment pornography and then the people piloting these these like special forces are just human beings who have no idea what they're doing <laughs> is often really funny and it's got great rappelling rappelling as well Repel, rapport I think it's pronounced rapport you, there's amazing rapport with you and all your friends whereby you can report onto any roof in the game it's like they decided uh, a fun thing about Rainbow Six is being able to like go up and down walls right like a special forces guy and then they decided hey why don't we just let players do that anywhere like Batman and anyone can throw <laughs> grappling hooks go up down walls sideways climbing windows I like that stuff I've been thinking a lot about shooting in buildings and uh, I, I've been thinking it's very dangerous yeah it is it's not a good thing to get involved with but I've been thinking a lot about because I was playing uh, Star Wars Battlefront um, oh yeah okay and uh I didn't really talk about that much because I, I think it's just <laughs> it did. It did look like a poor place to put your fifty quid rather than um, uh, Rainbow Six uh, Siege, which is still good for what it is. Yeah, no, it's just it just it just, it just wasn't very good, and I can't be bothered talking about it. It's like yeah. I've written about it. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, I just found myself playing that and thinking about dice and thinking about how much I love uh, loved Bad Company and Bad Company Two. Oh yeah, and I really missed that kind of a. Uh, the, the silly explosiveness of everything of just having grenades that blow yeah those were the battlefield away. games which yeah were, were super bombastic right? yeah I mean they had two major changes and the first major change was obviously they had like a, they tried to do a single player character thing and actually had some success with the, the dialogue and script it was just the fact that the games single player stories themselves the campaigns were just rubbish because you know you like usually you go online you've got all this mad stuff happening where the AI wasn't able to compete with that kind of bombastic madness around you all the time yeah um, but the main thing was looking back there were lots of like more arcade arcadey changes, but the main thing was that explosions just damage buildings really easily. Mm. So it was a bit like um, like Red Faction sort of thing of it being like, oh yeah, you know, if you've got a rocket launcher and you hit a building in the right place, like you'll take a huge chunk out of that building. Oh man, it doesn't even take explosions. One of my favourite things in Red Faction was how even sledgehammers had a hilarious effect on the environment. Yeah, like, I remember there's a wonderful mission in Red Faction Guerrilla where you have to rescue a prisoner, and it's like obviously he's in a base with all these guards and everything, but he is in the back room of the base. Yeah. So you can just walk around the back of the building, hit the wall once, and he's just there. In Gorilla was great. It was fucking awesome. It yeah, was so good, really like, good. Especially like as the game went on, it did that ratchet and clank thing of just being like, "Well, we don't know what to do with you now, so we're just going to give you incrementally much more destructive things." Mm. And then it's the, I love there was a point where I was trying to run away from some dudes, and I was just running up the stairs and being chased by so many heavily armored army men because what I loved about that game is actually in direct combat you didn't do well like you didn't fare well like if yeah. people are shooting you 
you're in trouble. And so I just ran away and then just like jumped out the roof, just jet-packed up above the building and just... As I was running out, I'd just been chucking explosives everywhere. Oh, beautiful. And then I just jumped out, set off all the explosions, then pulled out the largest collection of rocket launchers and lasers I could. <laughs> and just, just whilst jetpacking, just bombarded and just absolutely totaled this quite large building whilst I hovered above it. And then, I mean, okay, so I get what you're saying, but Rainbow Six Siege does have explosives. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I, that was, I got carried away. What I was saying is that I loved it in... Uh, okay, so I have no idea what you're saying. No, no, you've got no we're, idea. We're halfway there. It's a journey. Let's <laughs> let's go. Going back to, uh, to Bad Company, what I loved was the sound design in those dice games was just so superb. Mm. That meant that you could be in a building and you could just stop. And again, you'd be able to hear somebody moving through the building. Yeah. And you'd know, you think there's a guy, I think, at maybe on the floor above, maybe two, maybe a sniper. Yeah. And you think there might be more than one person in the building. And just being able to, like, put a couple of C4 packs on the building and then just leave and blow it up and just say, you got three kills. So this is... here. they were in there. This is the amazing thing about Siege, because uh, obviously if everyone's crouching and moving quietly and not shooting their guns, it's totally silent. Which is incredible, because if you want to move quickly, yeah, you've got to sprint easy, yeah. You'll make a lot of noise and tell... 10 people in the level exactly where you are which Counter-Strike doesn't have and can't have because you have these uh, lateral levels but in a house that's very vertical obviously if someone runs around on the roof or on the floor beneath you you hear them so it's this wonderful it's the pace of like the noise if you can say there is such a thing is super interesting because silence followed by the loudest bangs you've ever heard in your life as someone demolishes a wall Yeah. followed by silence and then maybe you hear a bit of mortar falling down the pace of play as well I kind of, I think the, the problem I have with it, and it is, I know it's a dull thing to talk about price, but I think it's not actually about the price. It's about the sense of ecosystem and community that it's going to lead to. Mm. I kind of worry that what's going to happen is you're going to get your sort of serious, devout um, Rainbow Six players getting in there and are happy to pay that because they've been waiting for a Rainbow Six game like this for years. Sure. And then, inevitably, in a few months, it'll be 20 quid. If that, you know, um, and then lots of people will go, oh, yeah, quite fancy a go at this. But you're then going to have this divide between now the early experience of being able to creep around and having this slow paced game. You can just tell it's the sort of game like Counter-Strike is just going to be quite quickly filled with people and that that pace is gone and it's just people very quickly and efficiently moving through levels because they know what to do and they know what they're doing yeah you know? well I mean like Counter-Strike and like a lot of online games these days that I, that's less of a concern these days because of just really good matchmaking I think. yeah I suppose like you you have to play casual until you are allowed to play ranked and when you play ranked I think you're going to be put with people of your skill level the other thing though is if you're playing it you know quote correctly and you've got like two three friends in a level you don't care what the other players on your team are doing because, no 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 it's true but it is, a, yeah, it is funny that it is a game whereby you could move through it unbelievably slowly. Like a Counter-Strike or a Team Fortress, but where there's no benefit to running. So, And obviously everyone only has one life, so, you know, what? why not just psych them out? Why not wait for three minutes before going in? It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's- I just find it interesting now, I think, because... The, the fidelity of these things they're so expensive to make right and it means I get I get I get it but I wonder if in the future we'll have some more interesting models for this sort of thing that actually treat it being akin more to like a paintballing weekend you know just being able oh, to what? like that's like, that's a fun idea. You know what, actually? Having a pass for a weekend that costs money and then you just say to your mates, let's all do it this weekend and let's have this experience and just play it all weekend, you know? That is an amazing idea for a business model. And I'm sure there are reasons it won't work. That I'm sure, but it's just for this but kind of game. Honestly, like, this is exactly what I do. I have a Steam Press account, so I didn't pay for this, but all I wanted from it was I downloaded it, didn't pay for it because of the press account, uh, played through all the training stuff, went online, played it for about three hours, went, that's great, I've now seen everything though, and uninstalled it. Precisely. Because I don't have friends who play that and because I do this for a living and have to play lots of stuff. But my God, that's a great idea. Let's all play, let's all pay our paintball pass for like 20 quid and then play Rainball Rainball Six Paint for a weekend. I just think when you've got this this sort of team-based game which offers such a such a... A simple experience, but a very specific one. Like I just sort of think, like you don't want that. Like I don't, I don't need that on my shelf. But I wanna, I wanna do it. Mm. I wanna do it for a little bit. And that's the same. It's like the problem is like if it was like a game which they'd released either free or you know, not expecting free, but maybe like a twenty-five quid. That's the sort of thing I go, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Uh, it's the sort of game I know I'm not gonna get into. It's it's that weird investment price point where it's expecting you to pay this this price as if it's something you're gonna be engaged with for like a very long time I yeah know, i know they have got this audience that are but no it, you're right it's absolutely not and the idea of visiting games or renting them makes a lot of sense and you know maybe we'll get that maybe the way that uh, amazon you know video lets you rent movies as well as buy them surely a steam variant where publishers can let you rent games is is on the horizon 
I, I don't know. I mean, I think even if it was something as, as simple as like somebody being able to buy it and being able to buy a password, like then like you can, I don't know, spend, you, you pay 50 quid and then at any point you've got it for the weekend at any point, like up to five other people can just join and play it with you for, for like, nothing. Mm. Like, you can't have any more than that, but they can party up with you and play the game free like for that time. I don't know. It just feels like to me, I like, think it's a cool idea. It feels to me like really what we're looking at now is this sounds like the modern version of paintballing, yeah. of having that thing of being like, that's awesome. But, um, <laughs> oh man, yeah. I got to tell you my other, my other. This is the only other good anecdote I got out of uh, playing uh, Rainbow Six Siege for a couple of days, uh, which was you know going to a level and just generally, if you play casual with randoms, then they're going to run indoors and with shotguns and throw grenades and kill hostages accidentally and all this comedy cool stuff. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to be like a rogue element, and I and I ran forward, and while they were all stacking up on the front door when I'm, when we we're attacking this barn, this big like farm complex. I'm like, I'm going to rap out. I'm going to go onto the roof. I'm going to. I'm so going to bother the sheep. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to come down a back stairway, and they're going to be like, "Where's the fifth guy?" I'm going to be there like Batman, and I'll shank them. <laughs> this is my. This is my plan. I throw my rappling hook up, and I go up the wall, feeling like you know the coolest special forces dude ever. I'm creeping along the the roof, and I hear some clattering, and I look back. Four other members of my team have all followed me up onto the roof and are crouched there <laughs> like nervous children. They all freeze when I look back because it's like grandmother's footsteps oh, or no. something. And they, they're like, this is the guy with the plan. You're like, no, you're supposed to stay down. <sighs> I did also get killed because the acoustics in it are so good that I was with the hostage. And I've realized now, I had, I want to download it again purely because I've realized as a terrorist, crouching or lying behind the hostage is just a fucking amazing tactic. Because if the other team kills the hostage, then, you know, then they, they lose automatically. That's why people take human shields I'm realizing <laughs> I've reverse engineered real terrorist tactics for anyway so um uh as a terrorist I'm they're all in the house and there's there's good guys storming the house and I I'm looking left and right wearing my in real life my directional headphones trying to figure out are they on the roof are they so I'm looking in every direction spinning my character around on the spot at, what, at which point I'm shot because a good guy had come in through the door and seen me just spinning like a spinning top <laughs> and then uh, shot me in the head and I'm down yeah it's, it's always, good man it's, it's always a moment you let your guard down it's not a, it's not 50 quids worth of good but if there was like a paintball pass for Rainbow Six Siege if you're listening uh, Ubisoft then uh, I'm, honestly I'm 90% sure that their strategy is they know they've got people who've been waiting for this for years they're gonna oh, absolutely rinse them for 50 quid each and then in a few months time they're gonna sell it for 20 quid 15 quid and the people the miserable community are gonna get absolutely furious um but who knows what will happen who knows um but yeah it's just it's too much for me now which is a shame because i'd love to have the experience that you had with it of just like three hours of really intense fun and you know what i've got a disposable income and especially for video games because i get a lot of video games for free it means the idea of me spending like you know 30 pounds on something which might only give me about four hours of pleasure might sound insane but i'm not above i'm not above it no sure if it's a good enough proposition and siege isn't quite that but 50 is too much (laughs) (laughs) that's the kind of i think it's all about like especially when you get to this age that's the kind of money where you start to wonder that you sort of think if your partner found out about that what with well, you might be in trouble. I always say though that you don't spend enough money on things that make you happy. So I would encourage you to spend fifty. Have you minutes. seen my cupboards? They're full of sex toys. They are. There's you know. I, Look I, at all of them. I have no way of keeping this family friendly and successful. You can't even count them. Riffing off that, I can't count them. Uh, I've tried. <laughs> Jesus, uh, what was I gonna? Uh, yeah, no, I just encourage you to, to buy things and hide them from, from your partner. Hide them. Yeah, no, I, I'll, tr- I'll keep buying things and hiding them. But as I've said, I've been doing this for a while and I can't hide them anymore. Yeah. It's a problem. Go. I'll tell you what I've been playing and I've been sitting on this for a while. It's not a vibrator. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually have sex toys in my house. I like that you felt the need to clarify that. You know what, Matt? It's okay. You, you don't... It, it's fine to have sex toys. I don't. I don't. No, but, but if you did... I know it is. If you had them, it's fine to it's admit It's absolutely it. fine. If you wanted to admit now... It's absolutely fine. Maybe. Be, you I have don't. a little like egg, something small. I've got a little eye mask, but uh, I usually use that when uh, I want to get a lion and it's bright. Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. But hey, eye mask, <laughs> so that you can't. Anyway, I've been playing Persona Four. Ah, oh. on the PS Vita. It's fucking good. PlayStation Vita. It's a console that's dead. Uh, I don't. I don't. So many people keep saying that the PS Vita is dead. And admittedly, it's true. It's true. But, but there are so many really good, really big games on it, and such a continually expanding collection of things which are cross-play between PS4 and Vita that it doesn't matter. 
Mm. It's like I've I've had the Vita now for about a year and I've I've never run out of things to play on it. I've been playing on it loads. It's because you're playing PS4 games on it like a twerp. Yeah, but it's nice. It's nice the, to be able to play stuff thing, like, you know, you get things like Geometry Wars 3 and you're like, I wouldn't have bought this, but actually on the tube for 20 minutes every now and then, this is, this is perfectly good. Thank you, sure. Uh, the announcement I saw yesterday that does make me happy with regards to the Vita is, um, it, like, it, it has escaped via a hypothetical life raft, but the game on the Vita that I didn't want to be lost to history is Gravity Rush. Yes. And it was just announced that Gravity Rush 2, I was watching his gameplay footage of it, that's going to be out on the PS4. Yeah. That's all that people have. And, and we'll talk about they're also doing like a lot of split stuff with that like uh, Persona 5 is going to be on like PS4 I don't know if it's going to be on Vita as well it might be um, but I know that they announced uh, Danganronpa 3 which is coming out on PS4 oh so you mean Vita. Vita stuff is arriving on PS4 Persona was always a Playstation brand yeah but no it's more that um, it's going to be like it's going to look really good. Like you, have look, you look at like screens and stuff or video for Persona 5, it's like... Oh no, it's gorgeous. And the art design's great. amazing and the music is great. It's because it's like actually going to be on a, a proper console sort yeah. of thing, like an, up, an up-to-date console, people, which is exciting. I'm not going to talk about Gravity Rush because uh, I'm just going to tell people to Google a trailer for the original Gravity Rush and you'll immediately get the concept and get why it's cool and... Uh, you yeah. have to like roll about, don't you? You don't have to. Yeah, you do. One of my trippiest memories... Uh, playing video games like ever was um, I was hung over or drunk one of the two and playing Gravity Rush on the original Vita and using you're a girl who falls through the air it, her superpower is falling but in any direction she wants basically so it's really vertigo inducing as you fall up towards buildings and into the open sky I have recurring dreams and nightmares about falling up into the sky so it's a game that absolutely taps into that for me nice uh, but yeah the Vita had a thing where you could point the Vita and fall in that direction so if you imagine I'm lying on my back, drunk or hungover, your choice, because I can't remember. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, I have to fall the other way. So I would roll onto my side and fall and go, oh, no, and then tilt forward. Like I'm kind of, uh, like I'm in one of those arcade 3D motion machines, but it's just me yeah. having a great time. Or, or your dad playing Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. Someone with left, a, left, left, left. If you had body. seen me and not know I was playing Gravity Rush, I just would have looked like it was my first video game. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic thing isn't it it's fantastic just, uh, it's not going left enough so I just have to completely lean. move my entire body that way if you ever play a, a light gun game as well with a cover mechanic you will hide yeah. as if genuinely hide rather than just pressing the button there was an arcade machine but it's more fun when you do that I forget the name of it but there was an arcade light gun game where you had to physically crouch behind waist high cover oh. it was like in the early noughties we used to play the time crisis games on the PS2 at university by actually hiding behind the sofa uh, it was exhausting. Yeah, this is the thing. You, even if you try doing like uh, laser tag, uh, it'll get you in the thighs. Like constantly, like ducking and hiding and standing up again. It's just oh, it's not. It's exhausting. To be plausible, any uh, like waist high cover video game protagonist needs to have thighs that are like as wide as <laughs> yeah, I know, right? as their chest. Again, <laughs> they just be like rather than running up to you know and then crouching behind cover striker, they run up and lean on it and just go fucking out. Just an exhaust an elderly. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. Let me just. All right. As you stand and back up. And then they sit down and go, I'm not getting up again now. <laughs> just give me a minute. That's what you need. Instead of the active reload system, you need the active leg recovery system. Where they just rub their legs. Well, you can sort of shoot nonchalantly over the top of the cover for a bit. <laughs> but you just think, just give my legs a minute. They get a foam roller out and have to you rub it as you tap I just think maybe I've had a Mars bar or something. I'd be all right. But I, I just need something, you know? So, uh, God, if you're playing Persona 4, there's so much joyous stuff to talk about. But before we go off on a tangent, it's saying words and names that nobody understands. Uh, do you want to do a brief outline as to what Persona 4 is? Absolutely. So Persona games basically are almost always about these groups of teenagers who are going to school and um, for no apparent reason, your main character who is just always just sort of a vaguely blankish, slate, cool looking Japanese guy um, has the ability to like bring out these Personas and Personas are like... It's kind of a, a a reflection of you in a way. It's the idea that it's like your your person has brought this power to life by usually having this realization about themselves. It's like Otherkin, which is a, an amazing thing to Google if you've never Googled. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it, this idea that yeah, I'm a boring geek, but inside me is like a totally rad a demon. lion. Really, yeah. I'm a lion. Yeah, uh, and Persona is a game where that's that kind of it. Comes um, out and fights for you, but it's kind of a bit nicer than that as well because it's um it's and this is the weird thing we'll get to in a minute, but um it's got this nice theme of the idea that you know you have these 
these ability to summon these different demons that do these amazing things, these different powerful kind of gives a sense that maybe a bit evil, but you're in control of them, so it's fine. Yeah. And but it's to do with um friendship and it's to do with like um the kind of bond yeah. of friendship. The, the and- more friendships you make in and this is the other thing. The thing about Persona games we should explain is that games of two halves, one of which yeah. is, oh, I'm saving the world by going into abstract dungeons and using my personas to fight, you know, demons. The other half is like you're at school, yeah, and you have to, you know, study for exams, or people will think you're a word that is no longer politically correct to say, uh, or you know, you need you need to flirt with girls, you need to make friends, and as you develop relationships with some really weird people as well, like. Uh, your ability to create personas of their arcana is improved. Yeah, so it has this wing where you basically... It's kind of a life management game, really. It's a life um, management game, but where you grow to hate everybody in town, but have, it's very cynical, because you have to be nice is. to them. It's really cynical. To survive through the dungeons. And I wonder, because like, I, it kind of annoys me, because I, I go through the same process. So you've got these two halves of the game. You've got this thing where like you know you go and you spend time with people, you get to know people, and like as, as you befriend them and get close to them your ability to to make like new personas because you can kind of combine them it's a bit like breeding pokemon but not you just go combine this combine this we'll get this and you just get these like showered with bonus experience if you've got like a best buddy who relates to that type of thing it's actually I've got to say massively fucking obtuse and the first time you play oh the persona persona fusing thing let's not talk about no 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 I just mean generally as a game the first persona (laughs) game you play there's so much stuff that you're just like what like it's got a lot of like weird stuff going on then you play another one you realise that actually in terms of the RPG bits in terms of like the doing the battles and doing the fights and levelling up these things the system's pretty much always the same um, and then once you've got your head around one, you just go, oh, okay. And then the fun part really, though, is all this doing the school stuff, doing the life stuff, making friends. But you're right, because the problem is every time I start playing one, I start off with it and they get really into the nice, like, yeah, I want to be friends with this person. But then my mechanical mind slowly creeps in and I start being like, fuck you, buddy. Where are you? I want to go for ice cream with you. <laughs> yeah, it's so dark. It's if like you don't arrive and come to ice cream me before the end of the week. I'm not going to be able to level up this thing enough. Yeah. For fuck's sake, where is he? And you, you end up presenting these people. The, the best is uh, there's a mechanic. I don't know if you've got that yet, but where you can um, make lunches for people. Yeah, and uh, it's the thing. But you know, you're like a teenager, so you're shit at cooking, and you have to do this awful multiple choice thing of like, there's some stuff in the fridge that Dad bought that looks kind of like fish. Do you want to fry it, chop it, grill it? And uh, you go through the sequence of stuff, and you make something, and hopefully. One of your friends like it? Oh, like you made what the game refers to as smelly sushi. Who would like that? Yeah. Maybe I can give it to Yosuke. And then he hates it and you're like, God, wasted evening of making Yeah, yeah, food. that's the thing is you go, I could have spent that evening studying. Yeah. Or trying to eat a lot of beef. You resent everybody. But it's weird how you end up like, you really do weirdly get into this life but as a horrible machine monster. Well, no, this is the thing. Like, the I found myself going and eating like bowls of beef every night. That is one of the best things you can do to improve your because, stats. Because though. it's one of the best things you can do to improve the your stats. The bottomless beef bowl. But I couldn't help just, 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 just doing this. Just made me feel stats constipated. Aren't, stats aren't everything. <laughs> Like, how can this, how can this character stats go, aren't everything though no but how can this character go and eat beef every like, day gigantic you, bowls of beef every day he is a teenager and yeah, therefore quite so. robust I suppose so but. the thing though is that yes it's got this cynical edge to it but the reason you love and everybody who plays these games often does love them is that these games have so much heart they do it's they a do. lot like Animal Crossing in that people will post screen caps of like oh my animals are idiots but they will fall in love with them and Persona's the same thing of like there are plot arcs in it that are often deeply touching as you get to know people, and it's. it's I mean, yeah, I've, I've my my main team because like you want to like level up the the kind of uh, relationships with the people who you want to actually use in the fighting team. The main people I've got together are the people I like the most. I've mm. got Kanji, Yosuke, and Chi. Have you got to the end? I won't spoil it, but have you got to the end of? Uh, I won't spoil it because this is absolutely still worth playing on Vita. Or if you have a PS3, you can get a PS2 copy of Persona Four and play it with backwards compatible uh, PS3s. That's what I did. Or if you've got a PS2, why didn't I just say that? Yeah, I suppose so. But yeah. if you got to the end of Kanji's plot 
Yeah. No. Or what it, okay, I won't spoil that then because that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying, I'm going through that now. But again, he's one of the people I get really frustrated with because the thing is you have these afternoons and evenings off and you can go and spend time. But then it's annoying when you're really getting into one of the storylines and you're like, oh, I really want to see where this goes. And then they just don't turn up for ages. And yeah. you, you, you've got like, you've got a mobile phone, but you're never allowed to bloody use it. Like people just call you. <laughs> I am going to spoil one of my favorite things. So I didn't get this to the end. It's a, it's a small plot point, but if people haven't played Persona, then it, it really won't spoil much. But you know the fox who you do work for? Yeah. So there's a fox who's a shrine spirit and the fox wants you to help people in general around town. So it kind of lets the creators throw in a lot of weird plot arcs because they're like fire and forget characters. But the guy who is a big fan of model robots, you do this one? I'm not sure I have yet. Okay, so there's a guy who's sad because you know like those those, uh, Japanese like Gundam mecha that that are models and you have to paint them? Gunpla, is it? Yeah, there's a few few brands uh, but like they have a thousand parts and you have to assemble them and paint them. It's like model ships. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so there's a guy who's sad because no one collects those anymore. And the fox wants you to make him happy. So he says, like, I've got this robot. Do you want it? And you're like, and you have to say to him, oh, yeah, I'll assemble. Oh, I'd love to assemble this robot for you. And he's so happy because it's a kid doing, you know, this this old fashioned project. But guess what then, Matt? You have to take the robot home and it's in your bedroom and you have to assemble it and paint it. Evening after evening after evening after evening after evening, and slowly you finish it, and you get like a little three D sprite of the robot that is then on your shelf in your bedroom. Yeah, and you know what your reward is for actually doing this? He then says, "Oh, did you like that robot?" And you go, "Yeah." And he goes, "I've got another one for you because you like them so much." And that's the <laughs> end of the quest line, right? You, the fox is then happy that you can make it. You can make it, and there is no reason to make it aside from the weird Zen thing of like. No, it's it's nice to assemble it, and I it's want nice it on my it on shelf. shelf. Yeah, and that's that's Persona all over. Well, this is why actually I really the things I really like about Persona Four after playing the third one is they've added stuff like that. They've added it so you've got this this bedroom. It feels more like a place, and you have a shelf. That obviously, you can put things on. Yeah, and uh, you just have much more variety in terms of the freedom of what you can do. In Persona Three, um, it kind of became this thing of like you had your close classmates, and then you had all these different classes at school you could do. So you could go and do karate, you could do the swimming, you could all these different things and you basically it was all extracurricular stuff but it was all very much school yeah. and what I really like about 4 is they started it's almost more to, of like a holiday simulator it's more that it's I think it's more like I don't know what the, the uh, equivalent is in Japan but it feels to me more like sixth form rather than school <laughs> and the fact that it's this thing of this, you're still at school and you still have these responsibilities but you're also starting to bleed out into like you know there's a, a kind of a plot line that goes on for a while. It's not really a spoiler of like them all trying to get scooters so they can like. Oh, that's get... unique to the Vita version. Oh, is it? The whole area with the cinema that you know that plot the, the, there's like a coffee shop and a cinema oh, that's right. not in the PS2 version that's new for the Vita version. oh well it's lovely because it's just this really nice thing of them all wanting scooter licenses and it's this like really cute thing that reminded me of being 17 of like these kids all excited and stressed and happy about something that basically as an adult you look at and go that's shit isn't it <laughs> but it's nice it's like you kind of get this sense of them having their first sense of freedom and these friendships and it's nice it's not too hammy and sweet either with like you know, these are kids who have like the things that traditionally stress teenagers out, but it's not like overdone. It's yeah. done in quite a nice way. Honestly, the uh, the Persona games remind me of Mass Effect, whereby they are really good games with an entirely bullshit padding thing that just oh, where video games have come from still attached. Like yeah. everything everyone ever likes about Mass Effect is nothing to do with the combat, but the combat is mostly what you're doing. I'll tell you what though, actually in the th- third Mass Effect the combat was fucking brilliant. I liked it, but it didn't they didn't need but to be But not as at much the expense. That's the problem is that actually like they I would have rather had like the same as Mass Effect yeah. One, Three, or Mass Effect Two again. Yeah. Like, so yeah. so um and Persona Four is the same though. Like Persona yeah. Four is like acres of padding and monster fighting which isn't even terrible but there's so much of it and everyone I know who likes Persona just wants to do the school stuff yeah I know and that's the can thing you is- imagine if Atlas just made a school related game like and just filled it with heart and spent all that time that was going into the combat and the Persona mechanics just made it a story about like a really colourful maybe add some supernatural stuff into it I don't care just don't make me like level up a I I think about this a lot at the moment uh, because I really love JRPGs but I feel like there's certain uh, genre tropes that they they refuse to like think about leaving alone which just kill it 
And it's just like a lot of that is that this end game trudge. I never finished Persona 3 just because I thought that the tower yeah. was going to end at like floor 100. I thought floor 100 is going to be near the end. And then it was like someone said, oh no, there's another 100 floors. I'm like, I'm done with this. If like, you finish Persona 4, I will buy you a beer. Yeah, no, I am sure. Because it's just. And that's like, tragedy because actually it's ending, the true ending, because there's a false one, um, is one of the sweetest like JRPG. I I watched it on YouTube because. Yeah. Ah. That's the thing is they just, they just slow down and it becomes this. At first, with Sony games it's a lovely back and forth it's a lovely balance between the two but then increasingly I'm just starting to get to the point of the curve now where it's like yeah you're wanting me to do a lot of dungeon stuff <laughs> and really what I like before that is the idea you do all your school stuff and then you think right I'm going to go and dungeon this day and you do loads of dungeon stuff and then you get it out of the way and you go back to the other stuff and I do like the interplay though I think there's something about um, the interplay's fine they just it, it, the balance is way up no the balance is fucked yeah no, that's right uh, but I do there's something about that specific interplay that I love it's it's actually very Harry Potter really this idea of like the whole thing with Harry Potter is that he's a student at this school right and he has to he's a student I mean sure it's a, a school with like fucking weird fun stuff going on in it but he still has exams he still has like responsibilities and it's the fact that behind all of this he's also like just doing non like nondescript stuff to save the world or save the school or save yeah, somebody's sure. life but no he can't use that as an excuse it's like he still has to go and do his homework you know and it's that kind of there's something exciting about and something that you can really relate to of that stress of like you know you, you're trying to do your day-to-day life but then also you have this other stuff you've got to do and trying to juggle that and so much of the harry potter books actually were about just harry just stressing his nut out going oh how am i gonna do my exams <laughs> yeah and that is what persona is about really i love that I mean, it's I like, like, it is so funny in persona when you just bomb your exams <laughs> have you have you come like bottom of the no, i'm a genius <laughs> oh of course you are yeah. but i love that i talked about it really briefly i love the fact that it's just it's such a weird cultural thing maybe in japan they just have like more of like uh, respect for education systems, a respect for education. Oh yeah, and no, respect for like because in the UK you get beat up if you're yeah, top. Yeah, I love that. You, oh, you're top in your class. What happens? Like you, you get given money. Everyone <laughs> likes and respects you. It's yeah. like yeah, you'll get given money. Like if you're from a posh family and you've aced your exams, they'll probably get you a fucking pony or a bike or whatever it is. Yeah. But everyone at school is going to think you're a dick. <laughs> you're going to get bullied. And we talked about that last week, but. I think that's the one thing, actually. I, I just say that, like, I, I really like Persona 4 a lot. I'm probably going to burn out on it in the same way that I did the last one. I really wish they start to address that kind of trudge of combat towards well, the end. Uh, it's, I don't know, JRPGs have an established audience in Japan, which you know, the supposedly is, doesn't matter. The one I don't fucking get is, and it still bothers me this, is... Um, Here we go. It's fucking Lost Odyssey. It's because, oh yeah! It's because Lost Odyssey. Lost Odyssey was the best bad game in existence, but it had a mechanic in it which was fantastic, and um, I even think it's better than what Bravely Default did of just allowing you to just say yeah. Bravely Default just whispered you and went, "This is bollocks, isn't it? <laughs> do you want to do this?" And if you went, "Yeah, I like the animations," it went, "All right, you won't later." But all right. And then as soon as you come back, you go, yeah, I'm bored of the animations now. It goes, come on, let's just fuck it all. Just we'll do it for you. You don't have to watch it. But what did Lost Odyssey do? I don't Lost remember. Odyssey had a system and it was fucking great. And it meant that the combat was hard, right? Yeah. And you had to actually think tactically and you had to, it had a bit of an element of like pressing the buttons at the right time yeah, yeah, to yeah. do more damage. But the way it did it was every time you came to a new area, the combat was immediately quite hard. You had to concentrate. You had to be like, fuck, okay, I need yeah. to learn how to do these things. But then you got some experience. But then what would happen is you gain experience very quickly. So you'd have a couple, two or three like difficult battles, usually one very tricky one and then an easier one. But then each area would have a kind of soft cap on XP, which meant that what would happen was if you're in this cave or whatever, it would start to be that like you get less experience. Yeah. So that it meant that there was no point in grinding. There was no point in staying because it would like very quickly cut off in terms of the the benefits of you staying in one place and fighting. Hmm. So it didn't ever encourage you to stay in one place and fight loads. But well, that's a solution for grinding that's that doesn't why not just take out the grinding in the first place? Well, it was nice because it meant that every time you, you got the, the same... Oh, the same, like, adrenaline... You like, get the same rhythm of, it's a new enemy. Oh, God, it's dangerous. I need to learn how to beat it. You learn how to beat it. Once you've learned how to beat it, that's half the fun gone. So from that point onwards, it very quickly becomes a lot easier to beat it. But the difference is, it then allowed the game to keep control of the difficulty curve because it meant that even if people did stay and, like, grind and grind and grind, it wasn't... It was, no one was going to do that. It's like, it was really not worth your time. But then the problem is it did this system right throughout the game and what it meant is it meant that the pace of the game 
was always spot on. It meant that it knew what level you were at this point because <laughs> it pretty much had that under control. And then at the end of the game, when you got to the open bit before you go into the end boss, suddenly it just does the traditional JRPG thing of just sort of taking the cap off. You can level up loads. There's loads of really fucking tough bosses. It does the Final Fantasy VII thing of being like, oh, there's tons of bosses to do everywhere. And then a hard end game dungeon. And it's like, what the fuck have you done this for? Like, you've literally created a JRPG, which is paced properly. So I've managed to play through the story all the way quite smoothly, having that nice ratio of combat to story. And then you've just like dropped me in the JRPG golf at the end. You have reminded me that we should talk about what the kids are going to want us to talk about. And by the kids, I mean the adults. Uh, that was Final Fantasy VII, the first in-game footage of the remake came out. Yeah. So I'm, oh, I'm worried now that I've started this conversation and neither you or I will be able to finish it. But there was a scandal. There were people like talking about boycotting it and stuff, right? There were like people who were really upset about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh fuck. Okay. Well, here, here's the. Well, I know that I know that there's been different levels of, of this. I know that some people are furious that it's it's going to be a um, episodic. Episodic. Yeah. Uh, personally, I just think it looks like garbage. Um, Wait, why? I really don't like. Um, I think it looks great. I don't like the aesthetic they've gone for. Okay. I, I love. I well, no. I, I don't like the character aesthetic. The thing is, I don't actually like. Um, I don't know. It's this weird thing of. To be honest, I've been trying to mull this up in my head for a while, and I think I might end up making a video about it at some point if I can ever get my thoughts in order. But um, I think the way that people, I think the way that a lot of people see Final Fantasy VII in terms of what the characters look like in their heads, and in yeah. terms of what the characters have been represented as looking like by Square Enix in recent years, yeah. with kind of new fidelity, which is never what the characters were like in my head. Okay, and so it's this weird thing of now when I see Barrett, who looks basically like a slightly chunkier Wesley Snipes from Blade. That is I just what think, he was in my head. Nah, he wasn't. Like it, it was. The thing is, there's this weird thing where I think a lot of people. Um, maybe self-included, but a lot of people I feel like when they think of Final Fantasy VII, they think of Cloud and Sephiroth, they think of Barrett being this badass, they think of this epic story, they think of Aerith, and all that stuff was good, all that stuff was in the game, but for me it was like Chocobo racing and doing squats and <laughs> to try and win a wig, and what I loved about Final Fantasy VII was it was totally all over the place. It was a silly little story which occasionally had some really touching story moments and also what I loved about that game was the fact that Cloud was never supposed to be a character and now you've got Cloud done up to look cool you've got this new moving camera cutscenes which are just like cloud porn of the camera zooming around as he switches his sword and rolls off the train in the original game he was just a guy who just jumped off the train we I mean sure we've still not seen like gameplay footage now no, I'm, no, I'm worried seen... now that you're as bad as everybody else no no we've in... seen we've seen gameplay footage we've yeah seen... tiny scraps of it it's not I, I, it's not about the actual the game it's about the tone and it's just I don't I don't. it's not for me basically it's one of these things where like okay why don't we why don't we wait until we've got like even just 30 fucking seconds of the game right? yeah because I wanted to talk about how insane it is that there's just like scraps of footage and it's episodic which is the only way economically it could have been done anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. and people are flipping their shit because it's like it's not what it was when they were oh, well, I mean, well yeah but screw those guys I mean like whatever but it's just it's just one of these things where I feel like uh, I feel like the remake is being made for people who just still think Cloud is like the coolest character in the world and it just it's one of those things no where no other way they could do it I know but I, I that's fine but I think it's garbage like, <laughs> okay well let's no listen right it's a weird thing this is a weird thing I think about right <laughs> you don't get this in movies right you don't get it that like um Imagine if they make you, you make a film, right? Uh, I can't think of a film, but Aliens. Okay, you make a film like Aliens, and let's say that like there's a character in Aliens that isn't like you know the main character that everyone loves. Okay, right? Sure. Uh, Vasquez. Vasquez. Okay. Now imagine you get a remake of Aliens, right? But it's a fan. It's a. It's made for the fans. Yeah. And so it means that like Vasquez is now sort of the main character, and then everything just gets weirdly warped and tweaked to suit oh like okay so the word that you're looking for is fan service yeah like the game is just pornography and of precisely in games the way that players have internalised it since. yeah I kind of feel like and I felt this with Crisis Core and not a lot of people agree with me I played Final Fantasy 7 Crisis Core I thought that was kind of garbage because it felt like it was just I like the ending of that game which I have since heard about I didn't I mean it was just the fact that it was just weird fan service directly going for people who look at Final Fantasy 7 as being quite a serious cool thing okay. and, and it wasn't and also I love the fact that Cloud is this weird I think it was one of those things as well to do with the character design of that era what they actually 
like what the characters look like in terms of very fucking basic. They didn't have a lot of features. They didn't have a lot of... A lot of it had to sort of stay in your head because the graphics just were very simple. But I love that Cloud was a generic fuck. I mean, the whole story with him was this idea that he's sort of a nobody. He's a clone. He's, I mean, it's a spoiler territory, but this idea that he's a character is like... It's kind of, a, to me, yeah. an antithesis to the source material. But people read what they wanted to into his blank cipher and now that's that blankness and is being represented. Also, he's become, blankness. since then, he's become this character who appears in tons of games, has, you know, he's, he does lots of... He's become a thing. So it's this weird thing how it becomes like... It doesn't feel... It just feels strange to me that if you were remaking a film, you could probably go back to the source material and you remake it from there. Whereas this, it's like... They're remaking the game, but based on the brand that since yeah no this is this is super interesting and this actually reminds me exactly of what we were talking about with Fallout Four and why we're not excited about it because it's no longer creators being given artistic agency to create what they want with a character and vision and message. It's with Fallout Four or Fallout Three and the FF Seven remake. It's them trying to capture what is in the fans' heads. There's no artistic license with an FF Seven remake because Cloud has to look like that. You know, badass sword singing exactly. after. Okay, they're getting it's, it's just that it's just that it's just the way I looked at the way that the the cutscene had been cut from him jumping off the train. The cutscene at the start of the game, and it was already so the 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 camera direction was already so fixated on cloud that I just thought. I remember when I first played Final Fight VII, and what I loved about it was the fact that it started and you were just this dude on a train, and you didn't know the fuck you were, and you didn't know who these people were, but you you thought something weird was going on, and then you realised that you were a terrorist. <laughs> But then you realise that you would only just start working with them. Well, here's the- but it was, I love the fact that he as a character was kind of a nobody for a while until you started to realise that actually he was important. Yeah. So it's this. It's just a weird like. I don't know. It's, well, it's it's, it's, a, it's a shortcut to the traditional JRPG thing, RPG thing of having a protagonist or someone close to the protagonist who's an amnesiac, right? Except it just yeah. did did it without saying so. I think the long and short of this is I'm just basically I don't know why, but fan service just doesn't appeal to me. I get it, and that's cool. I, I guess I just don't want to write off the Seven remake until we've seen it do or seen how it does the weird nonsense you're talking about. I like the, the terrible stuff, dialogue. I like the stuff they're they're changing though. Actually, I think I think changing the combat to make oh, it yeah. like a kind of Kingdom Hearts style. Like yeah, like FF15 and stuff. Because it was already an active timer system anyway, so just make it a bit more dynamic. Why not? No, I'm down, I'm down. Uh, let's do some questions. Yeah, it's let's, time. Let's. I like this. There's a questions thread you can go to, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to the Cool Ghosts homepage and then click on the big Patriot... Uh, ooh, wait, no, the big... Uh, <laughs> button. Darth Souls. I forgot the name of the podcast. You get, if you go to coolghost.net... And then you click on the Darth Souls button, yeah, and then you, there's you a thing it. that says you, you, "Ask us questions." It's because yeah, you only saw this for the first time about <laughs> I was, half an hour ago. Yeah, it's magical. And then you can ask a question, or if you can't be bothered asking questions, but you just want to see other questions getting answered, you can look at the questions that are there, and you can upvote the ones you like just by clicking on little arrows and stuff. You know how the internet works. Then uh, we just answer the most upvoted ones, and then delete them so new ones float to the top, and it's, it's an so, endless so clever supply. You're so I. Oh, one thing before I because I just went off on one in a bad way. One thing I I love about Persona Four that I don't remember being in the last one. Okay, is this lovely little game that comes after the battles with the cards. Oh, you play Find the Lady, don't you? It's genius. It's not quite Find the Lady. No, it's um, it's a thing where like. If you meet certain criteria in the battle, which is basically like it encourages you to not just automate the battles and actually like win the battles well, it's kind of a fuzzy thing of when it works and what doesn't. You get this thing called shuffle time, and shuffle time shuffle just time. This is a great stupid name. You get all these cards up, and then you you choose the cards, and then you get bonuses. So you might get new personas, or you might get like more money or more experience. But it becomes this. This might have only been on the Vita thing. I don't know, but um, mm. it does this really clever system of being like. You start to get negative cards as well, but if you pick that negative card, then it means you get to draw more cards. So it'll be like, oh, oh you can take. This is way expanded from the PS2 version. Oh, it's so good. The PS2 version is like, here's some stuff. Do, can you? I can't even remember how it worked, but yeah, they... it's so good because it means that you just you got like five cards, and one of them will be like more experience, one will be more money, then one will be like half as much money, but you can draw two more cards, or it'll be like three more cards, but you get no money, and but then it has this nice mechanic where. Um, if you can manage to like get all of the cards that are there, if you take them all, yeah. then you get a kind of bonus, a shuffle bonus or whatever. <laughs> and then it means that you definitely get a shuffle time next time in this battle, no matter what you do. And you get immediately, you're allowed to draw three cards. So it has this weird kind of meta system for the grinding where it means that you're not just playing battle after battle. What you're trying to do is win a battle in a way that gets you the shuffle time and then hope that you get cards. Because there's this weird element of order how you go, hang on, if I take that card first, then that one, 
then I can take those ones. And it becomes this thing of trying to pick up all the cards. Like solitaire. Yeah. But it also has ways where you can actually eliminate the negative things if you're clever about the order of how you do it. So it creates this really inconsistent. But what's lovely about it is because it's kind of secondary to the battle system. I am down with gambling in um, in any game. Basically. Yeah, because it's because it's secondary. It means it can be unfair. It's like you couldn't do it in a battle system. You can have a battle system where it draws you cards and you go, oh, these are all shit, I can't do anything with them. But because it's like completely random, it means it can just occasionally give you loads of bad cards and you go, this is garbage. But sometimes you can actually game it in a certain way where you think, I'll flip that one, and then it flips these ones, and then you go, oh, that's amazing, I got that one. And yeah, some of the cards are fantastic. Like some of the cards just level up your persona immediately. So wow. it's like when you're high level, it's like, that's fucking, that's like 60,000 experience. So I don't know, it's, it's just a really, really lovely system. I mean, the, the upshot of Persona 4 for me is I'm so hyped for 5 because 5 is all about you getting a job and by the it? it. I don't yeah. know anything about it. I mean, I'm, just, I'm, on, I'm on media blackout mode. I watched one trailer about 18 times. Oh, same. Uh, the, the first trailer, but the first trailer is all somebody in a city looking like they've got their first job so that's why like it went from school to being like sick for oh, me no, no. and now it looks like his first job I know the shot you're thinking of he's just on a train with businessmen but he's in a school uniform ah, damn faux it. show I, wanted, I want them to do one about getting the first job that'd be awesome I just well yeah I just they can remove all the battles as far as I care and then yeah, just replace no. it with you're right uh, you're right Okay, here we go. I can't read this because I have to look away from the mic. I can you can. Okay, this is from Eric Tangblad. He says, Shut up and sit down, forum moderator yeah, fame. He's a good guy. Um, as someone who is now in his 30s, oh God, how did I get so old? You're not alone, it's fine. I've noticed that my taste in games have changed significantly Literally since I was Literally hundreds of humans are turning, you know, are in their 30s yeah, around the world. Hundreds of them. It's yeah. bizarre. Too many. Um, he says his tastes have changed since he was younger. In his teens, he was really into JRPGs and would play everyone that came out. These days, a game of that genre needs to be really special to grab my attention. How have your gaming tastes changed as you've grown older? I'd say, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people will say like, oh, I don't have the time. How do you play so many games as an, as an adult? And my answer is just, I just don't put up with bullshit anymore. Like, I will not put up with padding. I will skip. I will cheat when I can get past it. If a game has too much, I will just drop it like a hot stone. Yeah. Like, uh, if some friends of mine really do, like, you know, try and finish games or like, oh, well, I haven't finished this, so I can't move on. That's not me. I will put books down. I will buy a book. Eight pound, Matthew. I will be 20 pages in and go, no. And then I'll put it on my shelves and not, and just not read it. Merciless. No, I'm. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I'm increasingly just getting used to not finishing things now. I just think it's never going to happen. I mean, I didn't finish Metal Gear Solid Five, for example, but I've heard that the end of that really tails off. Oh anyway, yeah, so. no, I, I was. I heard the ending was poor, so I just stopped playing it when I had enough. Yeah, I had a lot of fun just doing all of the military commando style thing. It actually reminded me of like the, the early commandos games in the early missions. Oh, I know, MGS Five was and, great. Of just being like, hide on the roof, shoot a man from miles away, leave. Uh, no one knew I was here. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I love that. But then, yeah, I think as yeah weirdly when it started doing the, having to get away from a big robot I was like this isn't fun I never used to play multiplayer games as a kid because I was intimidated but as an adult I've gotten quite into like super competitive stuff and leagues occasionally I'll pick up something like Rocket League and be like oh I love competition And I weirdly am regressing at the moment like I, I, I as I said in last week's podcast like I used to be um, I used to like play tons of JRPGs when I was younger I used to like obsessively like I had a SNES emulator and I just used to play like you know sorry I was a criminal alright I was a criminal child but I didn't have a SNES had a Mega Drive and there were you're a cool of, criminal though oh, there were so many great uh, JRPGs on the SNES as well and so I just played almost all of them all I the mean, good ones you know in my day pirates were people who just wanted to play the rarest coolest weirdest shit from Japan these days pirates are just cheap but I still totally approve because if I if I hadn't been a pirate as a kid I wouldn't have been as competent a games journalist because I wouldn't have played half as much yeah you could just play all this rare stuff that you just couldn't get your hands on because yeah. back in those days it was actually hell it wasn't just a case of like oh is it out in the UK it's like is it out in the UK do they sell it in the WH Smiths near me like no <laughs> Oh well, you're never <laughs> yeah. going to play it. Yeah, yeah. Like the only reason I got Gunstar Heroes was because I liked the look of the box and I saw it, and you know, that's lucky times. But no, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting back into uh, JRPGs at the moment, big time. Okay, uh, yeah, just changes year on year. Uh, why don't you do the next question while I delete this one? Okay, <laughs> that sounds really dramatic, but we're deleting it for for purely. Um, purely uh, I've forgotten the word reasons great not like that was awful get rid of it Lucas H is there a game world that you'd like to revisit in a better game Uh, almost certainly loads of video games have really nice cool worlds that are cool Uh, and now I'm having a massive brain fart I mean the worlds of Persona (laughs) not that I'm feeling uncreative right now 
Skyrim? I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to play Sky- through the world of Skyrim in a, in, a, in a more interesting game. I would love to have Skyrim, but instead of having to fight monsters or go on Bethesda's cheapo quest system, I would just like have a house. I'd, I'd grow like carrots and swedes. I would like ooh, occasionally flirt with the woman down in the village. Basically, Harvest Moon in the Skyrim universe. That's me sold. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. You could combine that with like Euro Truck Simulator. So you just have to like take a cartload of like vegetables around like to another city. Oh, you've lost a turnip. Off it goes over the cliff. Ah, do you go and get it? Probably not. Probably not. It's bears and there's all kinds of awful <laughs> it's shit just a in turnip. the Skyrim world. <laughs> yeah. But you've got dynamic choices. You know what? I would play just about any genre of game in the Jet Set Radio uh, universe. Oh man, yeah, that was so cool. The police were just such dicks. Imagine Jet Set Radio. And it but was like, so much fun just going past the police and you just know what? Like being like, ah, yeah, whatever. I was going to say like, but you run a shop in the Jet Set Radio universe. Maybe you like run a, like a shoe store in Jet Set Radio. Then I realised basically all I want, because I'm a boring bastard, is just a gentle simulation game life sim in any game with a good universe yeah I'm actually I'm pretty excited about getting more Mass Effect to be honest I, I made my peace with the fact that Mass Effect 3 had become this sort of like Mass Effect but fabulously shiny you're, you're just thing, like but. a cleaner on the Normandy and you've got to make sure it's all spotless and that uh, you know like oh Shepard's coming she's going to use the command table you give it a quick scrub down I had a thing actually when I was writing for OXM I wrote a blog piece and I still I still love it Mass Effect 2 <laughs> still I still loved it. I do still. I still. It's one of those things where you occasionally have a realization. You think that's that's yeah, that's it, and you just. I'm proud of that. But yeah, Mass Effect Two is EastEnders in space because the whole game was all about family relationships. It was all about all of the characters, all the people who you're doing their missions for. It was all about like, oh, my sister's a fucking like psychopathic uh, empath, or you know, my my dad's an arms dealer, and it was all just like helping people have these little moments where you know you go, you're not my dad. And then you, you know, either kill, either kill their dad or they cry and hug, and then it's the end of the episode. Honestly, every time it came up at the end of a mission in Mass Effect Two, it had the kind of like mission over, going back to the Normandy. I half imagine it's going. Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, it was so good in terms of that structure. And actually, well. I just really wanted them to like just make it like that. Make I'd love it if they made an episodic kind of monthly thing where you just pop on and it's just like an endless ability to just exist in that universe with yeah. little things being added. And I'll tell you what, it, uh, Mass Effect 2 had that great structure in terms of just like wrapping up when you wanted it to and you knew it would. Persona 4 has the worst structure in terms of like, oh, I'll just turn it on and play for an hour. And then it's like half an hour of terrible slow plot development. Like, I often found myself either wanting to get into a dungeon and I couldn't, or wanting to go to school and I couldn't. Yeah. That's actually the big problem I have with that game. It has no idea what you want to the do. The big problem with those games is they give you the freedom to do what you want and then occasionally... And then just, railroad you, you Occasionally yeah. you just go, oh, actually, it's the exams this week, so you can't do anything. And, like, yeah. it just takes away your ability to do anything in the afternoons. And the first time that happened to me in a Persona game, I was like, what the fuck? I was going to do this! Um, I also don't like the fact that it forces you to do your homework. Like, it's like you've got to do your homework for school. It's like, no, I don't want it. Yeah. I'm literally a genius. I'm not Simulation a... of my teen years. Yeah, I'm know, a right? genius. I don't need to do homework. Panned out all right for us, didn't it? It did fine. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Chris Somethingson asks, why is the PlayStation 2 still the greatest console of all time with amazing innovation? With games like Kazumaro Damashi, Okami, Shadows of the Colossus, even Level 5's heyday with Dark Chronicle and Rogue Galaxy. It's great. Uh, he did not name all of the correct games, but he is right. The play, the PS2 is the best machine. Especially if you had a chipped PS2 and could burn DVDs of just the maddest Japanese I still stuff. think the 360 had a lot of incredible stuff. You know, I think the big difference was... It says, where was this back when you were working on 360 magazine? No, no, you think about... The thing is, I think that the PS2 is probably... Probably still the best. But I think it was more that actually back in the PS2 days, there was a very clear line between games that were clearly very good. I do. And then lots of stuff was just trash. Well, yeah, but I mean, I have the actual answer of what he's talking about as to why... If he's asking genuinely as to why the PS2 is still the greatest console of all time with amazing innovation, what you're talking about there, Chris, is the PS2 had unparalleled market penetration the world over, which meant developers could churn out games and then still sell a decent number of them. Also, Sony made the dev kits for the PS2 uh, very, very, very cheap. If memory serves, actually, it was almost free. So, like, it led to the shit. Like, if people know the Earth Defense Force games where you fight giant ants... That was part of a series called Simple 2000, which was a series we've never seen the likes of on a console since, whereby it was basically B-movies, but games. It was a load of developers churning out the cheapest games, of which uh, Defense Force was one of them, and then selling them for like a fiver on release. And so the, the costs for it was so low because dev kits were so cheap for the PS2. 
then we've never had a situation like that where developers can make a console game for two grand no, and then sell I, it. I mean, I guess it's basically what we've got now on Steam. Like, you know, yeah, like, no, the PS2 can absolutely be compared to the PC now. The problem is now, like, you've got that same thing of people just making games and then selling them for a fiver, but it's just like a lot of it is just garbage. Yeah. Rather than fun garbage. I mean, yeah. And it's garbage. also impossible to, like, keep up. I think it was that, the, I think it was just that thing of, like, with the PS2, you still had the fact that you had to get something published, you had to get it put in boxes. It just meant that, like, there was a lot oh, of garbage. The slight there. barrier to entry. No, I just wonder the slight barrier to entry, and also because there was less stuff, it means we can say. Katamari, Akami, Shadow the Colossus, and Dark Chronicle and Rogue, Rogue Galaxy. I've played four out of five, and I haven't played Rogue Galaxy. It's on PS4 now. I'm probably going to download it and play it because I love that time. I love Are it. you going to say that all of like the this like this beautiful ex- stretch of creativity within the gaming is less good because there was also shit to go no, alongside? No, no, I'm not it. saying that at all. What I'm saying is um, that it's this thing of because there was less stuff. We all have these, and this is an interesting change, I think, and I don't know how it's going to. I think the industry is going to change really dramatically because of it in the next few years. Of us, you know, being games writers, we've been able to talk about these things, talk about Deus Ex, and, and share with people like this reason people listen to podcasts. We can talk about games from the PS2 area, the Xbox 360 area, less so, and people know them, people have played them because they were classics and there weren't that many other things. It's why I can say Gunstar Heroes, and because it, it was like one of the best games on the Mega Drive, and there weren't as many games. Right, so you're now, wondering how dialogue will change in five years when I mention a game and actually people happen to have not played that, but they've yeah, played something else. Absolutely, because I think there's just so much stuff that it is just getting more niche, but I do think it's that thing of it's easy to look back and, and again a, a consensus that it was golden because there weren't as many games so if mm. you like JRPGs on the PS2 you probably played them all because there weren't a hu- there were a lot but there weren't a huge amount of really good ones well I mean now we're going into the era of like movies and music whereby what gets remembered is an interesting question and yeah. it's down to uh, critics to do that and then you get the role of like niche critics you know you get oh, you're always watching documentaries and you see like this person's job is like he's you know the, the fucking 1975 jazz expert because that becomes a job when yeah no I'm really specific. excited about it I just think I hope that it, we're able to kind of um get away from the the system hopefully it feels like tech on PC side as well has kind of hit a bit of a plateau lately over the past few years I hope we're able to get to the point where we can just be like have the thing like you would do in the same way if someone said oh have you ever heard of King Crimson and you go oh no and they go oh you fucking love and just to be able to get a a CD or a record and play you it you know this idea of being like you miss this thing you can just have a look at it now um and we're kind of getting that to a degree, but um, I just think it's interesting how the frame of references are just getting wider and wider and the things people are playing are starting to diversify. And I think it's a thing at the moment, especially it's a noticeable thing, is that fear of missing out, isn't it? You know, a lot of people got get that at the moment and a lot of people are struggling with that because it's like, you know, people say, oh God, Fallout 4, I've only just got The Witcher 3. And I think <laughs> across the board, we're having to start to realise that you just, it's fine, you just choose. And, you know, it might, you might not be the next time you're in the pub you can. I think it's weird for people like me because I've I've grown up being able to know about all of the games. Adapt or die. I know, no, but now it's like I just have to go. I'm never going to know about that game, and that's fine. And it's well, it's, this it's is strange. Again, it? yet more uh, grist to the argument. I don't know if I'm using that phrase right, but yet more grist to the argument that. These games shouldn't have padding. Fuck it, I don't want to play Fallout Absolutely. 4 for hours. Absolutely. Give me all the good stuff in that game in 10 hours and I'll move on. And 10 hours is still way too much time to be spending on it. 10 a- hours is a huge amount of time. <clears throat> Revolver Rossalot, what a great name, says, Over on RPS, Adam Smith has made an aside about Desert Island Discs for games, which got me thinking. On the actual radio show, there are a few freebies the castaways are given to ensure we aren't having another discussion about why they'll be taking the complete works of Shakespeare, etc. So, Cool Ghosts, if you are hosting a Desert Island Games, which titles are you handing out as standard to your guests part two would you assume a network connection so as long as they promise not to ask for help yeah sure so assuming they have a network connection that's a good caveat and also this is an awesome question what are the games which we give so that people will actually have interesting answers Oh, Matt has a faraway glazed look in his eyes like no, it's, he's it's, accessing it, everything at once it's a genuine really good question um, what would be the essentials just I think I mean, that's going to be a personal thing, isn't it? As well, though. I mean, I think I think having a having a, a Game Boy in Pokemon, the old Pokemon, the first Pokemon game, I think that's still a design classic. I mean, yeah, like great time killer. Then, like the complete works of Valve is almost like the complete works of Shakespeare because that covers Dota and Portal. Like, doesn't have enough cross-dressing and sexy jokes. Well, you could also say the works of the Final Fantasy series. I mean, I guess that the you know po- what you could say something like if. Like a game that sold well enough to be remade, or like a game that became a sequel or something. 
Like, well, this is a continuation of, of what we've just been talking about, really. Of the, the problem is, you know, you look at the complete works of Shakespeare and you say, well, what is the complete works of Shakespeare? And you go, well, it's obviously it's this thing that now is, is deemed as being some of the, the greatest English writing ever. But now we have no idea what games are taking. But at the, at the time, what was Shakespeare? It was like, it was awesome, fun, often like bawdy, yeah. mad humour for everyone. It was like this really, it was like the equivalent of Call of Duty at the time. And now it's revered as being something different. And I think now the difficult thing that we have with games is still this problem of, of because the tech is constantly moving on, because the medium is constantly uh, moving on. You have this thing, we don't look back. So you think, well, what, what do you choose for something like this? And you think, well, traditionally, using looking at other mediums, you'd choose something classic. You'd choose something like Citizen Kane or, you know, Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Choose something old because those mediums haven't actually, they've, uh, they've adapted and they've changed, but they haven't dramatically changed in the same way that, like, video games really have and yeah. probably still will yeah so it's a, it's that's a really... no that's a good one so an answer to his question it's unanswerable I mean this is yeah do you yeah. know the best questions are unanswerable it's always the way you know there's no yeah like... if, yeah you know what if you have a good solution for this uh, people at home why not drop uh, why not, we won't delete Ross Lott's question you can leave him a response yeah maybe we can along. revisit this on the next cool ghost because it's like otherwise it's this really sad thing where right now I go well like I think maybe a staple thing if you're trapped on a desert island might be destiny but then it's like what happens if in two years time these people turn up on a desert island and then suddenly it's like oh the, the destiny servers are offline now it should be like these poor sods they just have to eat each other to death just to entertain themselves <laughs> There are times playing Destiny I would probably eat someone instead. You, I think you're playing it too much. Or not enough. Or not enough. <laughs> to be, like, sufficiently hooked into its weird... I, I'm actually, like, I've seen a lot of people... Um, I get still get people tweeting at me and messaging and stuff and talking about Destiny and saying, oh, it's really annoying with this, isn't it? I've got my relationship with Destiny always, like, super light. That's how you do it. Just, just don't play it very often, mate. Just, like, just... Every now and then I fancy it and I go and play on it for a day. And it's great because it means every time I switch it on, there's all this cool new stuff I didn't know about because I'm not yeah. following any of the information either. So I go, oh, cool. There's like, there's somebody said the other day, apparently there's like a Sparrow racing coming soon. I'm like, oh, that was, that was yesterday. I know because I went to play it and it went, oh, you've got to download 18 gigabytes. And I went, oh. Oh, but you know it's kind of fun but I think yeah people who are still playing it all the time and going but there's not enough to do it's grindy it's like you're not supposed to you're supposed to do other things as well they're playing it wrong that's what, what you're saying yeah I, they're playing it wrong I get it bad get reviews it. bad reviewer play it wrong do we have things we say at the end of the podcast um, why not let's um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's let's have our cake and eat it uh, if you like this podcast why not uh, give it a review but also why not tell a friend about it why you not? can do a bunch of things yeah you can review it on iTunes if you really like the podcast you could tell a friend about it it does actually do nice things for us believe um, it or not when your friends listen to this podcast and enjoy it that's awesome there's this us. weird thing with the iTunes API when every time you tell somebody um, who you like that they they should listen to this podcast. Um, it just gives us this weird warm feeling inside, no matter where we are. That sometimes was a recent firmware. Sometimes yeah. it happens when you're in the bath and you think you're just having a good bath, but no, actually, it's just somebody's just recommended. Sometimes it happens twice when you're in the bath, and that guy can be really weird. Yeah, you can get into a lot of trouble. Make sure you lock the bathroom door before you go and have a bath. Um, if you really like the podcast, then of course you can remember that this is uh, Daft Souls, brought to you by CoolGhost.net, which is a fantastic website that we run. So there's no one in this room who can argue with us on that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's. A fantastic site. We've got a great community there. We've got videos about games. We've got lots of people talking about games they're playing now and loving them. Really great bunch. And if you really like the podcast and you really like the site, you might consider funding us via Patreon. You can go to, cool, to patreon.com forward slash cool ghosts. And uh, yeah, because Cool Ghosts is, well, because Daft Souls is a part of Cool Ghosts and it's all just a big happy family and everyone's touching each other, but not in, not in an inappropriate way. Not in, in, in an inappropriate way. Nope. Uh, and your Patreon money keeps Matt in sex toys and weird eggs. Honestly, there's so many of them. Look, there's more than I can count. That glittery pink one over there. Yeah. Is um, oh, it's just fantastic. Have you seen online the uh, sex toy shops that do like dragon penises and stuff? No. Guess what we're doing after this. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.